Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. My name is Randy. It's, it's great to have you with us today. And while we're on heaven, let me, uh, let me share with you uh, my favorite memory, my favorite thought about heaven. Uh, it happened several years ago. I was uh, working on a project at the house. Uh, I like to build things. I like to saw and cut and nail things together. And, and I was working on a project, and it was one of those perfect days. It was, it was in the morning, and it hadn't gotten hot yet or anything. I was out in the shade of a mimosa tree that we have, beautiful blossoms out there. I mean, it was a perfect morning, cool enough to be comfortable. I was sawing some pine. I mean, the feel of that pine wood, the smell of it was incredible. The sun on my skin, it was an awesome morning. And all of a sudden, this feeling came over me. It was like, man, this is incredible. This must be what heaven's like. And then I had this thought about my grandfather. My paternal grandfather was, uh, he died 30 years ago, but he was a carpenter. We got together uh, and worked one time when I was 16 years old, and I was a teenager and didn't appreciate it. But it occurred to me, you know what? Heaven's going to be like a day like this, and my grandfather and I, we're going to build something in heaven, and we're probably going to use pine to do it. I don't know. It was just that weird feeling. You ever have a thought like that? It's going to be a great, great day. Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about heaven. I don't know what your favorite thought or memory or vision of heaven is like. I may turn some of those things upside down and make you think a little bit. Uh, that's my hope today as we talk about what heaven is really all about. But we're in a series right now called The End, and we're looking at the, the, the events or the places that are relevant when it comes to the end of this world. And we know that the reality is, is as great as this life is, I mean, this is an awesome life for most of us. It has its troubles, but, but you know what? It's not perfect. And our old bodies are just made for a certain length of time on this earth, and and our existence, when we die here, it's not the end. It is only the beginning. That's what we don't understand. We feel like the time we got here, oh, we got a lifetime and then it's all over. It's not true at all. It's only the beginning because the few years that we spend here upon this earth are just a blip, just a dot on the timeline of eternity that will stretch out that has no ending whatsoever. So the reality is that life here is just practice. It's just practice for the real thing, that our lives only begin when we die. That's a weird way to think about it. But we're going to talk about some amazing things today and then what God has in store for us. And you've got to understand that God wants the best for our lives. You know, last week we talked about the fact that God is a loving God and a just God. And that God has provided a way for us to escape what we deserve. All of us deserve death and punishment because of our sin and our rebellion against God. And we talked about how that God has given us through his love, he's given us the opportunity and the freedom to have our sins forgiven, to be in the right relationship with him so that when we die, we're going to go to heaven, that place of joy, peace, and comfort we're going to talk about today, and that God has done everything possible to make that a reality. But if we reject that and refuse to decide for, accept his offer, the other option is a place of suffering and pain and darkness, which is hell. And we're going to talk about that next week. So I would rather talk about our subject today than next week. But let me ask you this, a question I left you with last week. Why would anyone reject a loving and just God? Why would anyone do that? That's the toughest question that the world will ever know. Well, today we're going to be talking about, about heaven. And while the, the lesson last week was about a tough question, the lesson today is about easy questions. Now, easy not because everybody knows them. But easy because the Bible sheds so much light about heaven. 
The answers are there in the Bible. You know, heaven is referred to over 500 times in the Bible. Did you know that? Over 500 times. And people believe that. In fact, two-thirds of the people in the, in the United States believe in heaven, including one-third of unbelievers, non-believers believe in heaven, which is kind of a, a weird thing. But, but people understand that heaven is a reality. And, and yet, most of us don't think a lot about heaven. I have to admit that I don't think a lot. Every now and then it crosses my mind, but it's not on my radar 24-7 like maybe it ought to be. And isn't that kind of strange? Because, you know, we can think about other places Places that we have been that we enjoy. We can think about places that we're going. Some of you are going on fall break next week. I know that. And you're already gearing up and thinking about the beach or wherever you're going. You're thinking about that. We can think about events in our life. We can think about retirement and look forward to that in some ways. Why don't we think more about heaven, which is beyond all of those things? And I think the answer may be because we just don't know a lot about heaven. It's so vague and we're so uncertain about what it is that maybe it's time to talk about that. So we're going to do that today. But before I do that, I'm going to address three false teachings about the end of time or about the end of our lives. And the first one is naturalism. You know, naturalists say that there's no soul, that you just have a body, that you are born. There's nothing beyond what you see. It's just the, the body. And when you die, it is over and gone and you're just, you're just dust. That's the end. That's what the naturalist would say. That's a false view. The universalist would say that, okay, you have a soul, but everybody's going to heaven. You know, God kind of threw this threat of hell out just to kind of, you know, like a parent kind of threatening their kids. But really, in the end, God's going to reward everybody with heaven. And then there's a, that's a false teaching as well. But the other one is reincarnation, and that is that we live multiple lives. We live, we die, we live again, we die, we live again. And, and all of those are false teachings. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in any sort of documented truth are you going to find anything that supports any of those three things. So those are all false. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 9 that just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So in other words, there's so much you can unpack there, but real quickly, you die one time. You live one time, you die one time. And whenever after you die, there is the judgment, and determined by your decisions on earth, there is an eternity either in heaven or in hell. And heaven is a reward that God holds out there for us, to those who are faithful, and will bring us into the presence of our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to kind of address some common questions about that. And I've got 10 questions for you. I'm going to buzz right through them. But I've got a bonus question for you because that's fun. I wanted to make 11, but 10 sounds better with a bonus, all right? So here's the bonus question. Some of you are asking, are there going to be animals in heaven? Are there going to be pets in heaven? I bet some of you wondered that because some of you like pets. Now, you know me. I'm not a pet guy. You know what? And heaven would be, in some cases, no pets, no animals. That, that would be cool for me. But I understand I'm having mercy on you guys, and, uh, you know, I want to try to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll tell you this, though. Some of the animals we have will not be in heaven because they were the spawn of hell and that's why I don't like pets. So there may be some there, but they won't all be there. I can guarantee you that, all right? But here's the interesting thing. The Bible talks about there being animals in heaven a lot, probably a lot more than you think about. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. 
It says, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy. Man, that's amazing because they're picturing a place here where all the animals get along. Where lions don't eat meat, they eat grass and hay like the cow does. Where children can play with them and not be harmed. It'll be an incredible place. So there will be animals in heaven. I'm pretty sure about that. Now, amen. amen. (laughs) My lives are pets out there, don't they? All right, here's the thing though. Animals do not have souls. What distinguishes man among many things, but primarily from animals, is that animals don't have souls. They're not going to be saved or lost uh, even based on probably their, their goodness or badness. But, but there are plenty of references in the Bible to the value that God places on animals. In fact, they were the first companions that God gave to Adam in the garden uh, before uh, Eve was, was created. Now, we don't know if they're going to be new animals. He might get creative and just give us a whole big flock of different animals. And, or maybe it's going to be the same kind of animals. But I don't even know. Wouldn't it be just like God to, if you had a very favorite pet that you had loved and lost, maybe God's going to provide that for you. I don't know. I I don't think there's any way of knowing either way, but I'm going to throw you that bone, all right, so you can think about it, and that'll make you look forward to heaven a little bit more. All right, let's jump in some serious questions, though, because we're going to talk about the important things, which are our people. Here's a great question. Number one, will we have bodies in heaven? Will we have bodies in heaven? You know, a lot of people think that heaven is just going to be you, this disembodied spirit, kind of floating along on a cloud somewhere, you know, playing a harp for eating grapes, right? You know, that's what, that's what you look like heaven. You're like, that That does not look fun. Number one, I don't want to do that. And number two, I don't look good in a diaper. So I'm not, I am not wanting to do that at all. So nobody wants to go and be that kind of, that kind of person in heaven, all right? So the reality is that is not true. We're going to have bodies. In fact, here's the thing. You're going to love this. You're going to have a perfect body. All right. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like for you. I've never had that personally, a perfect body. But you're going to have one in heaven. It's going to be perfect. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, who is Christ, of course. Now, let's just break it down real quick. The first man was Adam, right? Adam is the earthly man, and we all share a body like Adam, you know? Uh, by the way, did Adam have a navel? I don't know. But at any rate, <laughs> we all share the body of an earthly man. We all live on the earth. You know, we, we live in this body. And, and this body is, is plagued with problems, has a limit, is temporary and everything. But we're like the Adam, the first man. The second man, the heavenly man, is Jesus. It's Jesus. We know that Jesus came down, and he bore the body of an earthly man himself, didn't he? But then he, even though he was susceptible to illness and everything else, he died, he was resurrected, and he received a heavenly body. And if you remember what the Bible talks about, the heavenly body of Jesus, the disciples, it was like an enhanced Jesus. They didn't recognize him immediately because they weren't expecting him, but it, maybe it was a little bit different. Maybe he hid himself from them for, for a few moments. But his body was like human, but better. I mean, he was hungry, he was thirsty. He, was, he experienced the same thing. He had the scars in his hands from the crucifixion and his, his feet and his side. 
But he could also disappear and reappear and walk through walls. And I mean, he wasn't limited. So it kind of gives us a picture of what the resurrected body might be like. Now, we're going to experience that. You see, we are composed of two parts. There is the human body that we all see, and we all look differently. We all look differently. But inside of us, there is a soul that is just as unique, even more so. At death, the body ceases to have life. We know that. And at the moment of death, the soul separates and goes to God for safekeeping. The body goes to the ground or is cremated or whatever might happen to this physical body. The Bible says at our death, the righteous go to be with God in the presence of God. The unrighteous go to a place of suffering. But the Bible also says that when Jesus returns, there's going to be a resurrection of everyone who has ever lived and ever died. And the physical body is going to be restored to life. Even the bodies that have been cremated, blown up, destroyed, lost, drowned, whatever it might be. All of those bodies are going to be infused with life. And the soul is going to rejoin them in a resurrected and eternal body. That's incredible. But that's what the Bible teaches about death, separation, and coming together. And we're going to then go to meet the Lord in the air. That's an incredible thing to think about is the body is raised out of the grave. By the way, in Christian cemeteries, and I don't know if this is true everywhere, but in Christian cemeteries, bodies are always buried facing the east. Facing the east. And the reason for that is that the Bible says that Jesus will come from the east. And so when the body raises up, that was the tradition raised up to meet Jesus that was come. I thought that was kind of interesting that even, even part of our, the way that we uh, deal with death uh, focuses on the, the coming of Jesus. That's number one. Secondly, are we going to go to heaven immediately after we die? Will we go to heaven immediately after we, after we die? There's a teaching out there called soul sleeping. And soul, soul sleeping is this idea that there's a long period of time between death and heaven. For example, people who have died 2,000 years ago, or even when we die, if it's 2,000 more years when Jesus comes back, this idea that, oh man, we, our soul is asleep for long periods of time, thousands of years or, or short period of time. Well, let me say this. The Bible says that to God, a day is like a 1,000 years, a 1,000 years like a day. So get the idea of time kind of out of your mind. In my opinion, time is an earthly thing. Our time is determined by the sun and our years and months and all that. So I just throw time out the window in our time when it comes to the spiritual realm. Uh, I kind of think that throws out. Uh, but the other thing is that the Bible talks a lot about people when they die being immediately in the presence of God or immediately in the place of punishment. Several places in uh, Luke chapter 16 is a good example of that where people are immediately in that place. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? So there's just the emphasis, there's no soul sleeping. The body lies in the ground for a long time, uh, depending on when a person dies. But the soul doesn't sleep. Time ceases at that point. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So here Paul says we are either in the body, we're either alive or we're with the Lord, alive or dead. Either way, but we're not, there's nowhere in the middle there. You don't have to worry about soul sleeping for thousands of years or something and what you're going to do there. Number three, will you be able to communicate? Will we be able to communicate? In a few moments, you're going to see this is a silly question. But for right now, let me say, yes, we'll communicate. Certainly we will. We'll have that ability. There are several accounts in the Bible of people who are in, uh, in, before God and they are talking. For example, Revelation chapter 6 
There are a group of martyrs who were put to death for their faith, and they're talking to God, and they're saying, when are you going to you know, punish those people who killed us? When are you going to bring some vengeance back on them? So uh, certainly there will be communication. But let me say this, and I believe this truthfully, that the dead do not communicate with the living. I don't think there's any such thing as people who are dead that are talking to people who are alive. And, you know, God may give us comfort uh, to the people that we love, uh, but I don't think the whole idea, we don't need to be terrified of ghosts. I don't, I don't believe in ghosts in that way. I know there are evil spirits, and they are free, and they may, you know, impersonate somebody that's died or something like that. But, but let's be really careful about what we say, because the Bible says that you live, you die, and you don't come back until God deals with it uh, a little bit later on in heaven, all right? So number four, four are you going to have emotions? Will there be emotions in heaven? Yes, there certainly will be. Let me say there will not be, I don't believe, any emotions that would cause anger or hatred or any emotion that leads to sin, nor will there be any sadness at all. When the Bible, those people who are in heaven are very pa- positive and they're very passionate. They're like God. They're, they're, they're passionate about life. And so, the, yes, there are definitely going to be emotions out there. There's going to be joy as we reunite with our loved ones and as we join Jesus. How could you say there's no emotion in that? I mean, that's going to be incredible before God. We're going to be overflowing with emotions there. Now, people say, well, what do you mean there won't be any sadness? What if I get to heaven and my spouse doesn't make it or my child or my parent or whatever it is and, and I know that they're not there? Am I not going to be sad? You know, I believe that's where that, that's referred to when the Bible says that Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. I don't know how he's going to do that, but we're not going to grieve in heaven. We're not going to be hurting. We're, we can grieve here on the earth for people that we love that, that don't know Jesus, but we're not going to grieve in heaven. God's going to deal with that in some way, whether removing it from our memory or, or, or giving us peace about it in some way, but we're not going to be sad because Jesus will wipe away every tear in our eye. All right, number five, will we know everything? Well, we know everything. You know, heaven will be a place of learning and growing, and we're going to discover eternal realities that we never even could imagine or that were invisible to us before. But I don't think that we'll know everything immediately. I don't think we're going to get there and get plugged in with a chip that's like, oh, now I know everything in the world. Now, I just don't see that's going to happen there because we don't need to. God alone is omniscient. He's the only one who knows everything. You know, there were times that Jesus said he didn't know certain things, whether he didn't want to know or God didn't reveal them to him. I don't know, but, but we don't know everything. But I do think in heaven we're going to see things far more clearly than we've ever seen them. Uh, things are going to be explained and understandable to us, and uh, we're going to know much more than we've ever known before, but maybe not everything. But I will tell you this. I believe that our education only begins when we get to heaven. Here, listen to what it says in Ephesians 2. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So Paul says that God is going to reveal to us, show us the immeasurable grace of God. And, and we can't even imagine what that might be like. We know what grace is and we've all experienced it, but, but the incomparable riches of his grace, I mean, what does that mean? We'll just, just start to understand how awesome God is. And we'll learn the mysteries that we didn't know here. The things that we want to know, I, I don't know that God's going to hide things, but I'm just saying we're going to be discovering things in heaven. We're probably going to hear the backstories of the Bible stories or the 
rest of the story or the real story, you know, in, in a lot of cases down through time and history of Christians who have lived and died and never been recognized for their commitment and their faith. We're going to discover all those things, amazing things from the saints and from Christ himself. Number six, will we know what's happening on earth? Will we know what's going on down here? I, I think so, for sure. The Bible says, in fact, that right now there are people who are watching us. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1, I believe, it says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I, I think if that were going to be angels, it would say you're, you're being watched by a great cloud of angels, you know. I think the witnesses are more than angels. Angels, yes, but more than likely, many Christians who have lived in the past our friends, our family, spectators who are cheering us on. I think when we do well, the, spec the crowd goes wild. You know, when we do poorly, the crowd is silent, you know, kind of like a basketball game. Maybe they don't boo us. Hopefully they don't boo us in heaven, but, but maybe we don't get the applause, you know, in heaven until we really are doing well. So here's the encouraging thing. If you've got loved ones in heaven, or even if you don't, if you know of anybody who ever died, they may very well just be silently encouraging you. Or if they're applauding, you're not hearing it, but, but it, they're there for sure. And in fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. You know, it's interesting how it says it. It doesn't even mean, it doesn't even say specifically that when one person accepts Jesus, but it says when you repent, all of us sin and repent. So heaven knows when one person repents. They're watching. <laughs> they're watching. We need to be careful. Number seven. Are we going to remember our lives here upon the earth? Will we remember the life we lived? And I think, yes, we will for sure. How do we know that? Luke chapter 16. Jesus told the story about two men who died. One of them on earth was a wealthy man, had everything. The other man was a poor man. His name was Lazarus. And the poor man begged at the table of the rich man just for scraps to eat. It was a horrible existence. But when they died, things changed completely opposite Suddenly, the rich man is in Hades being tormented, and he has nothing, not even a drop of water. And the poor man is in heaven in the arms of Abraham, getting everything he always wanted and never had on the earth. And you remember what Abraham said to the rich man? The rich man's whining there, and Abraham said to him, hey, listen, remember your life on earth. Remember you had everything, and Lazarus had nothing. So in heaven, in eternity, we're going to remember. I don't think that we'll have regrets because, remember, Jesus is going to wipe away every tear, all the sadness from our eyes. I don't think we'll have regrets, but I'm pretty sure that we will remember what life was like. In heaven, our memories will make us grateful, but here's the thing. Hell's the total opposite. In hell, our memories will torment us because I believe that everyone will remember exactly what they went through in life, and the opportunities they had to accept Jesus and the people in their life who tried to influence them and the invites that they got to go come to church or come to know Jesus, I think they're going to realize many chances to meet Jesus and accept him that they turned down. Number eight, will we know people? Will we know people? Yes, we will recognize the people that we knew here upon the earth. But here's the incredible thing. Instead of just knowing who they are, we're going to truly know them. Most of us don't let ourselves know or be known by people, do we? We keep a, kind of a wall up, kind of, you know, private. But in heaven, we're going to truly know people, and there will be nothing to be ashamed of. It will be awesome. We're going to know, and I think we're probably going to know everybody in heaven. 
which would be amazing. We have a limited capacity here, and we meet people every day in the same town. We don't know. In heaven, I think we'll know everyone. Here's what it says in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So you're going to know and be known. And you're going to finally understand your husband. Or you're going to finally understand your wife. That's going to be amazing, isn't it? It's going to be awesome. But here's, could be bad news. You're not going to be married. You're not going to be married. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew 22. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. So the angels aren't married. And so in heaven, we're not going to be married. But hold on. Hold on. Some of you are like, yes. You know. <laughs> Finally out, you know. Others of you are going, but I like my husband. I like my wife, you know. Um, that, that's, that's okay. Because the relationships that we have in heaven will supersede any marriage or any relationship. Uh, the friendships we have will be a lot better than any friend you've ever had on earth. The brotherhood and sisterhood will be better than any sibling relationship you've ever had. And I believe that the experience that we have in heaven will supersede any husband-wife relationship that there's ever been. It's going to be incredible. And if you've been hurt in those areas, any of those, there's going to be healing like you can't imagine. And here's the other thing. Somebody says there's no marriage in heaven. Well, marriage, uh, heaven is marriage because we're all going to be married to Jesus. He is the groom. The church is the bride. It's all going to be a, a huge family that we have there. Whatever it is, I don't know exactly, but you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed, all right? I promise you that. Now, here's the question that came to my mind when I started thinking about this. Um, some of you are thinking this too. So what about sex? Is there going to be sex in heaven? Well, evidently not. It's a groan from the crowd there, right? But, but again, there's not going to be any disappointment at all. Let me tell you a story. C.S. Lewis, uh, a lot of you heard of C.S. Lewis, and he was a great theologian and author years and years ago. But C.S. Lewis told a story about this little boy who was listening to a couple of adults who shouldn't have been, but they were talking about sex in front of him and how great it was and everything. And so, uh, you know, the little boy, he's listening intently, but then he goes, he, he pipes in and goes, but is there going to be chocolate? Are they eating chocolate? Are they eating chocolate? You see, the little boy's, his greatest sense of fulfillment was chocolate. He couldn't think of anything better than chocolate, all right? So that was the peak of his pleasure enjoyment was chocolate. And he couldn't imagine what, what would be better than that. I, I think we're in the same situation here. We know the sexual life, uh, but we don't know, except just in glimmer, glimpses that we might see, the greater things, which in heaven will leave no room for that. You know, we're going to be in an intimate relationship that fills us in ways that we have never known before, that will never be experienced here, that is only experienced in part between a relationship with a husband and a, and a, and a, and a wife here in, on the earth. So that's the only thing that's even close, but heaven will be so much better than that. Now, let me throw this in to help you get balance here. Unless you think that hell's going to be one big sex party, that ain't happening either, all right? It's not going to happen. In fact, next week we're going to discover that in hell you will not have contact, touch, sight, conversation with anybody. Not going to be one big party uh, in hell, all right? So uh, maybe that helps a little bit understand. Another question, let me throw this out, another bonus question. It's not one of my numbers. But how old are you going to be in heaven? 
How old are you going to be? Well, nobody knows that. This is totally speculation, all right? But, but amazingly, theologians who have to speculate on everything, uh, theologians speculate that if there were a perfect age, it would probably be the age of 33. Now, are you guys 33? There you go, 33, the perfect age right here. Well, you know, the, re- the way they get that is they say, well, you know, Jesus was 33 whenever he died. At 33, most of us are kind of at the peak of our health and enjoyment of life and everything, kind of the, maybe the perfect age, I don't know. And so they speculate that people might be 33, except for children. And here's the amazing thing, I don't know. Again, this is all speculation, and there's no proof anyway. But there does seem to suggest the fact that there will be children in heaven if they die before they reach that age. So here's the amazing thing, and maybe this brings comfort, is if you lost a child, if you miscarried, if you lost a child in infancy, whatever it is, you know, God, we know that child's in heaven, right, waiting for us. You know, God may just say, hey, here's this child to raise. That'd be awesome. Doesn't say there's no parent and child, says there's no husband and wife, but, but we will experience that. There's peace in that. So what happens is going to be awesome. Again, that's speculation, but where we wonder, don't we? Number nine, this is one I'm fascinated with. What are we going to do in heaven? What are you going to do in heaven besides float on a cloud and eat grapes and play a harp? Not going to happen. I don't think there'll be any of that. I'm pretty, pretty confident of that. So what are we going to be doing in heaven? Are we going to get bored? See, people can't get excited about heaven because they think they're going to be bored in heaven. Like, I don't know, man. I don't like church here. And if heaven's just one big church service, I can't imagine. I stay awake for half an hour, but I can't stay awake for eternity, you know. <laughs> it feels like eternity sometimes. <laughs> I know that because when I sit out there, it feels like eternity sometimes, all right? All right. Satan is the one who tells us that heaven's going to be boring. Heaven's, you don't want to go to heaven. It's going to be boring. You're going to sit on a cloud and be, be you know, be in church all the time. That's not what, not what heaven's going to be like. And I've heard people say, you know, I don't want to go to heaven because none of my friends are going to be there. And I don't want to go to heaven because uh, I won't know anybody in heaven. That's probably true in some cases. But they think hell's going to be one big party and drinking and shooting pool and having fun, doing anything you want. You know, it's going to be hot, but, we're, you know, it's hot in Florida, right? Um, that's totally false. In fact, it's hot up here this morning. <laughs> It's going to be hotter than hell, I promise you. All right. So hell's not going to be one big party, no contact there. Hell is going to be total isolation. I'm not going to give too much away. We're going to talk about it next week. But here's the thing. You will never, ever be bored in heaven, ever. We'll be constantly discovering and learning, and everything that we experience will be fresh and new, fresh and new and perfect. Life there is going to be exhilarating and exciting in heaven. Everything will be as it should be. And you know that thing you keep looking for here, whatever it is, you don't know because you never found it. Whatever it is, you're going to find it there, and you're going to embrace it there, and you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it every day, that thing that you're longing for. You've tried drugs and alcohol and sex and money and everything to find it, and you never, ever found it. It's there. Ultimately, it's in Jesus here, but it's there. We'll find it, and every day will be like that discovery. It will be incredible. I think heaven's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a place of joy, the, the things we've always longed for, the goals of all of our life. Now, let me tell you something. I, this is my opinion, but I don't, I don't think there's going to be any golf in heaven. And this is my idea, number one, two reasons. Number one, because nobody ever loses. 
And number two, because you got to get tired of hitting hole-in-ones. I mean, after a while, I was like, this is no fun anymore, you know? There's nothing to shoot for, right? I don't know. Maybe you like golf. There'll probably be golf in heaven. But here's the thing. We're going to be full of energy. We're going to be full of vision. I think we're going to work. I do. I think we were created for work. But it's going to be a good kind of work. It's not going to be the kind of work you dread. I think we're going to be fulfilled. We're going to build. We're going to create. We're going to enjoy without ever worrying about money or the boss or the benefits or break time or anything. It's going to be awesome. Work like you've never ever had before. I think your dreams are going to be fulfilled in heaven. Maybe the things that you dreamed of here that you never got to fulfill, the career that you longed for but you never got to have, the people that you longed to work with but you never experienced. I think all of our vision and passion and goals are going to be fulfilled in heaven. But I'm a little bit sad because I think preachers will be unemployed. <laughs> I got to thinking, what are preachers going to do in heaven? There's no lost people there and everybody's perfect, you know, so, so I don't know. I'm trying to find a second job, so I have something to do, all right. But our creativity, I think, is going to be enhanced beyond what we ever experienced here. And just imagine the new technology, the new inventions, the new crafts, the travel, things that we can't even fathom here. I think that's, that's, that's what heaven's going to be like. What we're going to do? Well, we're going to worship. We're going to worship like we've never worshipped before. I don't want to detract from anything uh, that I'm talking about because much of this is speculation. But the Bible says that we will worship. We will worship God and we will love it. It won't be one of those songs you're like, I don't like this song very well. You know, this is my, my favorite tune or whatever it is. And I'm not even going there what kind of music we're going to have in heaven. I'm not even going to touch that, all right? But we're going to worship. We're going to dance. We're going to have storytelling. And there's going to be a lot of laughter. I believe there will be art, there will be drama, not the bad kind, the good kind of drama. There will be entertainment, playing, activities, games, sports. Maybe there will be thrills without the risk. My wife Lori is not a big risk taker, and she said, I'm going to wait for heaven to bungee jump and parachute. <laughs> I don't want to die here. I want to do it in heaven. I think we're going to have adrenaline rushes. I think we're going to have the ability to feel like we've never felt before. Why? Because God made us with the desire for all those things. And I don't know that we're going to be, those are all going to be absent in heaven. I don't know, but I just, I just think God made us say, why would we not experience them in heaven as well as on earth? Now, I'm going to throw this out because I was trying to think, what is the best, what is one of the best experiences? Some of you are going, doesn't work for me because I had a bad experience. But a couple of times I've been on a cruise. And I, I kind of like a cruise, to be honest with you, you know. You, get on, you go to a cruise, you get on the boat, and it's all there for you. Travel's taken care of, accommodation taken care of, you know, there's extra stuff to do, there's entertainment, you know, you go different places, you enjoy everything. It's not perfect, I know, but man, the food is out there. Imagine the most incredible cruise you ever took in your entire life that was perfect. Nobody got sick, I know, but, um, but it was perfect there, and you ate all that you ever wanted to eat, and you never gained a pound. Is that sounding like heaven to you? That's pretty cool, all right? That's the only thing I can think about. But let me tell you, heaven will be the most awesome and incredible place you have ever been. And I think the more that you think about it, the more you imagine, the more that you dream, the more that you learn, most importantly, about what the Bible says, the more you want to make sure you're going there. And the more you want to make sure that everybody you know is going there. Can you imagine this place that is open for unlimited people but there are some who don't have any interest in going there. I mean, that's just hard to understand, isn't it? 
And next week, as we talk about hell, the more you discover about hell, the more you don't want to go there. The more you don't want anybody you know to go there as well. And that leads us to our last question is this, who's going to be in heaven? Who is going to be in heaven? And the answer is only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, we think about all the good people we know. We go, oh, they've got to be in heaven. They're such a good person. That's not what gets you to heaven. Our goodness is enhanced and brings glory to God. We're going to talk about works later on in the series. You know, our works don't save us, but why are they so important? We're going to talk about that, but our works are not going to get us into heaven. Only those who accepted Christ as Lord and Savior will be in heaven. And you have to make a reservation to get there. You're not going to just show up and go, oh, I want in. And God says, I never knew you. Never knew you. But understand that God wants everybody to be there, but you have to make a decision in life here on this earth to give our lives to Christ in order for us to be able to access heaven. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is talking to a group of people who were the first listeners, the first ones to know about Jesus. And he's talked to them about God's love for them and about Jesus' sacrifice. And, and, and I think he's kind of thrown in some heaven thought or some vision for that. And the people ask, what do we do to, what do we have to do to be saved? What do we do to get on a part of this? Sign me up. And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So what does the Bible say that we must do? We must be willing to give our life to Christ. And that's a decision that I want you to consider today. I know that many of you are followers of Jesus. Some of us are where we want to be, uh, closer, but most of us are not anywhere near that. And I want to encourage you to long for heaven and to live your life accordingly. I know that there are those here this morning who do not have that hope. And my, my prayer is that this is merely giving you a vision, a, a dream to long for. And you want to say, I want to do everything I can to make sure that I'm there. And so as we draw the close of our service today, um, I just want to ask you to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and my prayer is that all of you want to go to this place. I, I may not be accurate at all, but I think there's a pretty good vision of what the Bible teaches heaven's like. And my question to you is, have you made a reservation? And you do that by accepting Christ. And today is the day for you to choose. There will come a time when it's too late. It's too late. So I challenge you to decide today to ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And as your heads are bowed, would you do, um, depending on who you are, if you are a Christian, would you thank God for Jesus the salvation that he's brought to you. Just thank him and the hope that you have in heaven. And if you're not a Christian, if you know that you need to give your life to Christ, would you just whisper a prayer and say, God, I got to do this. I want to go. I want to be a part of this. Now, Jesus said that if you want that, you must ask him to come into your heart, but you must also confess him before others and that you must be baptized. And so, we're going to ask you to do something, a card you have when you came in your connection card. If you know today that God's calling you to make a decision for him, would you check, I want to talk to a minister, and turn that card in the offering when it passes by in a few moments. It's so important. I want you to be there, and God does. My prayer is that you are passionate enough to say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this incredible place that you describe for us. You draw back the curtain just a bit. You don't give it all away, but you just show us that it's so amazing that no one could want to miss it. God, my prayer is that we're all 
on the track. We're all signed up. We're all in. We're moving not only toward Jesus, but toward a future with you through Jesus in heaven. And if those who are here today have not done so, God, they would have the courage to do everything possible to say yes to you. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.